today rolls on here on TSN 1050. TSN1050.ca and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. Is that Britney Keith? Is that Brit? Yes, sir. Wow. I used to love Britney Spears. We're the same age. It means that I thought in high school that meant that meant I had a shot. Incorrect. So did you have your own Incorrect. kind of did you have your own kind of mental breakdown in two thousand seven like she did? <laughs> I thought after that I'd have a better chance. <laughs> also incorrect. I think she's aged a little well than you, Andy Mac. I look youthful. Yeah, well, that's because you can't grow a beard yet, and you're like 40. <laughs> you know what's funny? I can. Actually, I had I had a beard a few years ago. Very, very interesting look. My wife made me shave it. Well, thank God for that. Yes, it was an interesting look. Oh yeah, if I'm if I'm wearing a hoodie and clean shaven and going to the LCBO, I still get carded. At 37, not bad. How about that? But when you wear a white dress shirt and black slacks, it looks like you're going to sell me like <laughs> thesauruses and encyclopedias door to door. And I probably would. I I I I might be in on that hustle if it does make money. We got Richard Griffin of the Toronto Star coming up in just a minute or two to talk some Blue Jays baseball. Mike Kelly, TSN NHL Network analyst at 12:20, and also you can vote. On our Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Biggest surprise to you in Toronto sports so far this summer? I don't know how it could get any more surprising, but what is the biggest surprise to you so far? Is it Tavares signing with the Leafs? Is it LeBron going to LA, which makes the Raps a actual contender in the East? The Blue Jays becoming totally irrelevant or TFC struggling after their championship year? Leafs, Raps, Jays. Or TFC struggles. Leading the way, dominantly leading the way. Tavares signing with the Leafs at 84%. TFC struggling at 12%. And tied at 2%. LeBron Raptors and Blue Jays being irrelevant. I would say the, the, the TFC struggling is the bigger surprise to me because they've been so good. But Tavares going with the Leafs, it was it was something we knew could happen. But again, that Toronto mentality of not thinking we we will get nice things prevented me from fully buying in. But it happened. What also happened is the Blue Jays have not been very good this season. Guy who's always good, Richard Griffin from the Toronto Star. Rich, how's it going? Hey, good, Andy. You're not going to ask me about John Tavares? I could. I could. I could yeah. uh, what does that mean for the Blue Jays, Rich? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It means all the pressure's off, right? No one's talking oh, about them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love John Gibbons' response the other day when somebody asked him post-game when they lost 9-1 uh, about John Tavares. He said, so you mean nobody's paying attention to this game? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <Which>, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can criticize John Gibbons all you want, but his uh, his sense of reality is incomparable to me. You know, he understands... Yeah. He understands that you can push the right buttons all day, and if you don't have the right players, it's not going to help. Exactly. And, Rich, for John Gibbons now, moving forward after this season, compared to the type of team he had and the type of team that might be there, either a youth movement or something totally different, do you see him surviving after next year? Well, I think whether he does or not, he's being paid through 2019 and that's almost like, you know, they knew in advance, uh, the new management knew in advance that he needed the parachute. And mm. I don't think he's going to survive. I don't think, I think he realizes that. Uh, but he's, you know, he's mature enough to realize that if they are going in a different direction, 
he's not the guy for that group. Um, I believe they'll let him finish his season because, you know, there's there's no, like, knee-jerk reaction from uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro because they know where they're going. And it's not a rebuild in the way that the early 2000 Tigers rebuilt, losing 100 games three years in a row. It's not a rebuild in the way the Astros went about it, losing 100 games two years in a row. It's a rebuild where they already have talent in the minor league uh, hopper in the feeding system, but they're not going to compete this year in the last three months. Attendance is going to go down. They're going to bring in some, uh, they're going to bring in some young players for next year. But, you know, you look at the Yankees last season when they traded away people at the trade deadline and then they competed. Um, you know, you don't have an Aaron judge in the hopper for the Jays, but I think that moving forward, and I talked to Ross Atkins about it yesterday, it, it's not a two- or three-year process. It, it'll be next year, and then in 2020, they're looking to compete. Okay, so that's, that's a positive for Jays fans. Now, to get to that point, though, Rich, you have to, I would think, you have to clear out the old, the old crowd, right? The, the, you have to get rid of guys like um, Jay Happ, Estrada, like the, the, the aging guys, and, and, and move in a different direction. But if they're going to turn around that quick, is, is it possible that you would maybe hold on to a J-Hop, or is that a must-go at the trade deadline? Because really, right now, that's your biggest trade chip. Well, I, I think what they have is an example from the uh, Yankees when they traded Araldis Chapman, Cubs won a World Series, and then Chapman came back and re-signed. I think okay. Jay Happ has won 57, 58 of his career 101 games, 100 games with the Blue Jays. He, he loves Pete Walker. He loves the organization. He loves the city. So if the Yankees or someone else thinks that Jay Happ can help them win this year and he becomes a free agent, that, doesn't, that does not preclude him coming back and being in the top half of the Jays organization moving on if he believes that their rebuild is only going to be one year if he believes that they're going to compete and maybe surprise in 2019 i think they have to trade him and and if he believes in them and they believe in him uh look to doing their all this chapman interesting and then yeah bring him back because it would have to be a short rebuild he's going to be 36 in october but that could be if you're looking for a quick turnaround, kind of the, the, the base, right? you got the, the veteran that can still produce, and then you kind of roll down from there. When you look at the likes of Stroman, Sanchez, and Estrada, uh, I would think, Rich, that, that Estrada's got to go, right? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Ryan Berkey uh, is a guy who's sort of at the forefront of the young pitchers that are coming up through the Jays organization. And uh, when I was again, when I was talking to Ross Atkins yesterday, Sean Reed Foley is a kid that has been in the organization for two or three years and sort of plateaued earlier. And now this is his breakout year at 23 years old. So he's the next guy behind Ryan Barucki. And even, you know, if they traded Estrada, if they traded Hap, uh, you know, they got guys that fans would be interested in. And I think that Estrada has to go and not come back. Hap could go and come back. Hap's the type of pitcher who has benefited from the new hitting uh, style of Major League Baseball where everybody's got the uppercut, everybody's looking for the exit velocity, um, which the Blue Jays right now are seeing from their fans more than anybody else. But 
<laughs> nice. But but the uh, you know he benefits because he works down 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 in the zone and comes up with high with a fastball with two strikes, and he's become a better pitcher because of the way the game is being played today than he was when he was 29 years old. So, you know, when you say, well, he'll be in his late 30s, he's just coming into his own Hmm. as a guy who's taking advantage of the system. So I think that, I mean, this is my feeling that they should let him go, they should trade him, and then they should attempt to re-sign him. You know, I've written that in a column, one column, I'm going to write it again at another time. In conversation with Richard Griffin, our Blue Jays analyst, Toronto Star baseball columnist on Twitter, at rgriffinstar. So, Rich, when we look at things that Jays fans can look forward to the rest of, of this year, and it's certainly encouraging. If, if we're talking about a one-year kind of reboot and then let's go compete, I'm down with that. For Vlad Guerrero Jr., did that injury, that patella strain, uh, do you think that has eliminated him really from from maybe making that jump to the majors this year, even at the end of the year, or is that still an outside shot? Because for Jays fans, really, that's kind of the, the only thing we're looking forward to, to see if you, you get a peek at Vlad. Yeah, and, and I gave I gave a little bit of uh, I gave a little bit of grief to Atkins yesterday. I said, like, why is every other team in baseball uh, believing that their young guys with a higher ceiling can compete at the major league level, and that fans are willing to put up with mistakes and fundamentals to see a guy who can hit the ball, who can you know create excitement in the ballpark? And you have one in Vlad Guerrero, but you, yet you insist on going. A, double A, triple A, and then he got hurt, so he didn't come up. Meanwhile, Juan Soto and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., and there's 32 guys that are 23 and under in the major leagues today, and a lot of them are creating excitement. The Jays have only had Richard Urania this year at 23 and under, and he's in the minor leagues. And so I gave him that argument. And so I, the point is I believe that they weren't planning on bringing him up soon, even if he wasn't hurt. But if they make those trades and if Donaldson gets traded or if he stays and they, they qualify off for him, um, I think that we, we probably will see uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. at some point before the end of the season, you know, even if it's in September and he plays a, a, a big role in that month. Right, just to get a peek and, and see what he can do as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Rich, last one for you here. As far as trade value back for the Blue Jays. If now they're looking for a shorter retooling period, the type you'd get, and again, J-Hop's going to get the biggest return, but um, even for the likes of uh, uh, smaller deals like for Donaldson or uh, or Estrada, what are the Blue Jays going to be looking to get back? Is it is it prospects almost ready? Is it deep prospects? Like, What, what angle do you think they go from, from receiving uh, players and, and, and whatever draft picks back for these guys? Well, Alex Anthopoulos told me that uh, ownership of any team, when you trade a veteran player, ownership only wants to hear that you're getting guys back that are almost ready. They don't want to hear about deep prospects. They don't want to hear about guys that are A and AA. They want guys that are almost ready. And I, don't, I think Rogers' ownership is pretty much in that same boat. So when you look at the, uh, the only two deals or the two major deals that uh, – Ross Atkins has made in 2016-17 when he's been here. Uh, one of them was to uh, uh, get Francisco Liriano from the Pirates, and he got two prospects. So he got he took salary in Francisco Liriano, and then got Reese McGuire 
and Harold Ramirez from the Pirates, who were prospects. And then when he traded Francisco Liriano to the Astros, he got Teoscar Hernandez, who's a part of this. Oh, we may have lost Rich. Rich, are you there? We have lost Richard Griffin. But we were just wrapping up anyway. So what Richard, uh, Rich was saying there is, as, oh, Rich, you're back. Okay, sorry, continue your thought. Oh, he's is he gone again? Yeah. Hello. Oh, there you are. There we yeah. go. We got you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So continue. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're in the. You know, we were talking about uh, return. What should it be? Should it be prospects? Should it be players? And the only two trades really in that regard that in that light that uh, that Ross Atkins has made. He traded Drew Hutchison to the Pirates, and he got Francisco Liriano, who was major league ready, and he got Reese McGuire and Harold Ramirez, who were two prospects at Double A. Um, and then he traded in 2017 Liriano to the Astros, and he got Teoscar Hernandez, and he took the salary of Nori Aoki. So that is the sort of thing that you'd be looking for with Jay Happ, is you, you take some money, although with the Yankees it's not a priority, take some money with an established player, and then you get a couple of prospects. And I think that that's what he's looking for. The Jays don't have to trade salary because – they're not up against it. They have a deep-pocketed ownership, even though attendance is down. So they don't really have to make the, uh, the, the we're, we're getting rid of salary. They can take on salary and take prospects, and that's what I believe they're going to do. Well, Rich, I hope you're right. A quick turnaround reboot would be much more welcome than a, a elongated three-, four-year rebuild. Thank you so much for taking the time. Okay, no problem at all. All right, Richard Griffin, Toronto Star, baseball columnist, TSN 1050, Blue Jays analyst on Twitter, at R Griffin Star. Well, I like that. Quick rebuild, turnaround. Now, that's fine to say by Ross Atkins in the front office. They also said they thought by getting Curtis Granderson and some other small old pieces that they'd be a wild-card contender this year, and then, oh, injuries. No. So you can say that. Now go do it. You haven't done squat yet, riding off the coattails of Alex Anthopoulos. Now it's your time. Now it's your team, especially if you move out John Gibbons and bring in a new manager, new voice. you got to prove it. This fan base, it's almost been like a dream. Like you woke up, oh, did those two years happen? We're in the playoffs? Did that now we're just back to mediocrity. If that's the plan, and you feel you got this upswing of youth coming up, and you can sprinkle in appropriate free agents that can actually contribute on a day-to-day basis, not old, plotting, injury-prone pieces like Steve Pierce, Granderson, stuff like that, then let's go. Good. I'm excited about that. We're going to step aside, talk some Maple Leafs and some NHL with Mike Kelly from TSN and the NHL Network next on Toronto Today. Richard Griffin of the Toronto Star, we just had on, said that this might not so much be a rebuild, but a retool for a year, and that 2020 could be where the Jays legitimately look to contend in the AL East. Boy, wouldn't that be something. But... Red Sox and Yankees are stacked, so you can't half-ass this, man. you got to go for it. And they got the youth coming up, so we'll have to see what that. But let's get into some hockey talk here. Mike Kelly, TSN NHL Network Analyst. Mike, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going really well. Just trying to survive. Oh, Mike, you cut out. You said trying what to survive? Deal with? Oh, the, 
There, there we go. I, I, mean? I, I, I can hear you now, but you said trying to survive, and then you cut out, so I thought they got you. Uh, <laughs> no, trying to survive the heat. Oh. But, uh, again, I don't like being the guy that complains about how hot it is because we deal with all these cold winters. So yes. uh, it's all good. You just got to be close to, close to a lake. That's all. Exactly. Yeah, th- that, that's the big difference. Stay inside or close to a lake. Uh, Mike, now if we look at, I'll start with the John Tavares signing with the May Police, and then we'll roll from there. Of course, it came down a, a little while ago. Shea Weber is going to be out um, five to six months. But for Tavares to the Leafs, now we're all excited. Leafs Nation, we're, we're, everybody's pumped. But what does this mean? How does it affect the Leafs' lineup overall? Because JVR is out the door, so you lose 36 goals there. How do you see Tavares coming and impacting the look of this Leafs lineup as it stands now? Well, I think it's entirely possible that John Tavares could have the best offensive season of his career playing in Toronto next year. I mean, there's enough there to to, to certainly suggest that. You know, Tavares and Austin Matthews both predictably faced pretty tough competition last year when they were on the ice as as top centermen. So, number one, the the fact that you've got these two guys in your team now on two separate lines they're they're going to be able to split some of those tough assignments that, that they're used to getting um, a little more evenly. And that will allow them to be on the ice against lesser players more often. So that's number one. Number two, it looks like John Tavares will be playing with Mitch Marner. You know, for me, this is going to be the most gifted winger John Tavares has ever played with from a playmaking standpoint. So, you know, Tavares last season second in the NHL only to Alex Ovechkin who led the league in goals in terms of generating shots from the middle of the ice from the slot area he did that on a line with Anders Lee and Josh Bailey you know two guys with unique skill sets of their own but um, you know elite playmaking wouldn't be one of them so now he's got Mitch Marner an incredible zone entry guy in terms of getting into the offensive zone with the puck a really good player in terms of maintaining puck possession in the offensive zone with how dynamic he is and a really good player in terms of funneling pucks into those contested areas. John Tavares scored 37, I think, goals last season. Um, he's never been a 40-goal guy. He's never been a 90-point guy. Playing with Mitch Marner, those things could change. Hmm. Interesting. Well, and, and I like your point that you brought up, that with Austin Matthews, now you can split the attention. Right, you have teams have to legitimately pay attention, and it also helps the Leafs in that if Matthews goes into a slump or struggles a game, Tavares is there to pick you up. Vice versa. Also, the opportunities on the power play are, are just have Leaf fans drooling. Do you play them together? Do you separate them? Like, what do you think that means to the power play? Tavares coming in. Well, that's an interesting question. So he, you know, I, I believe last year in New York, he had Barzell on one side, um, I think on the left side, and Tavares on the right side. So that's Mitch Marner's spot, really. Um, if, if you, depending on how, you, if you want to have these guys on the same unit or not, I think what the Maple Leafs are going to miss and what they won't be able to replace is the JVR um, on that goal post down on the goal line. Right. He was so good. Um, at, at making plays with the puck in really, first of all, really quickly, but also with a really limited amount of space. He could get it up quick. You know, he'd go through his legs. We'd see those plays. Great net front guy. One of the better net front guys in the league overall, and certainly on the power play. Uh, and he was a big reason that that unit that he was on had so much success. So no matter what, they're going to miss that element. And there's a lot of power plays in the league that have dynamic players that, that aren't particularly productive. 
So just having a lot of skill out there isn't enough. Um, you know, I looked at Chicago last year, and they've got a ton of talent. They'd throw the puck east-west, bomb shots from the point. Wasn't a, an unbelievable power play by any means. So um, that, that's going to be interesting for Mike Babcock to try to figure out what his best um, plan of attack is in terms of situating the talent that he has. Do you put Marner on one side and, and Tavares on another? Um, you know, where are you putting Matthews and all of this? So uh, it, it's kind of difficult to forecast, I think, what the best setup is going to be uh, without put, you know, putting a plan of attack in place, seeing how it works and adjusting from there. Now, Mike, not that he's the same type of goal scorer or as prolific, certainly, as JVR, but could Josh Levo be someone that could fill in that down-low spot in place? Big body, a little bit of touch. Is that somebody that you could it kind of be a poor man's JVR in that type of role? Yeah, it's, it's a good point that you bring up. I mean, it, just in terms of that, that uh, skill set, it seems like it could be a fit. Um, you know, Whether or not they want to go down that road, we'll, we'll wait and see. Josh Levo wasn't a guy with a ton of power play experience at the NHL level, but, um, you know, on paper, I, I, it totally makes sense what you're saying that, you know, potentially that could be a fit. It, the interesting thing about the Maple Leafs, right, is it, it's, it, they had the luxury last year of having two really good power play units where you could separate your talent. I mean, Austin Matthews wasn't on the first unit or, or the unit that was most productive anyways. Um, so, you know, they, they attack things a little bit differently in, in where other teams, you'll see them load up one unit and that unit will get most of the time. Toronto split it pretty even and, and they had really skilled players on both units. Um, so I, I would expect, and I think the, the probably the best plan of attack would be to stick to something similar, but no matter who they have down there or how they do it, uh, it's going to have to operate differently than it did last season. In conversation with Mike Kelly from TSN and NHL Network, NHL analyst. Now, Mike, you tweeted out from at Mike Kelly NHL about Eric Carlson and a trade. It's it's coming at some point to who who knows. But you tweeted out a look at how dominant he is in terms of dictating play, the puck possession per game. Can you go over a bit of that? Because we all get caught up with just kind of in general how good Carlson is. But when you really break up how much he controls play, it makes him even more valuable. Yeah, Eric Carlson is one of the best drivers um, of offense in the National Hockey League in, in terms of things like puck possession and actually measuring, you know, possession driving plays. So how often do you successfully move the puck up ice? And that's, you know, skating it over your own blue line, the red line, the attacking blue line, passing the puck, north passes that are, are completions up the ice. Um, everybody knows Eric Carlson's an unbelievable player. Uh, a generational type player any given year, a, a potentially a top three player in the league. I, I still don't think people know really how good this guy is and how much he means to the Ottawa Senators. They were a terrible team last year with Eric Carlson and with how good he was. So, you know, the ability to have the puck on your stick, first of all, uh, he had the puck on his stick more than any player in the league on a per game basis. He missed a bit of time of in- with injury. So if you measure it on a per game basis, he has the puck more than anyone. I talk about those possession driving plays, moving the puck up ice. He did that at a higher rate than anyone. He completed more stretch passes per game than anyone. And once he's into the offensive zone, you know, we all know what he's capable of. You look over the last five years, he's 20th in the National Hockey League in points per game. That's out of everybody. He's number one amongst defensemen. So, you know, the Senators, you, you look at puck possession, they were 28th in the league last season. And he was first. 
you look at, you know, these uh, getting the puck out of your end, like stretch passes as, as an example, they were 26th in the league. He was first. Where are they going to be without this guy? So yeah. just, from, just from an on-ice perspective, he is such a bus driver, a guy that just drives play into the other end. And, and gets the puck out of your own end. Um, you know, he's good with the puck in his own end. Sure, a lot of turnovers, but like I said, he's got the puck more than anyone else. He's going to turn the puck over a lot. But if you break it down in a percentage, so based on the amount of times he has the puck, his turnover rate's actually really low. He's in the top 30 amongst defensemen in the NHL. He's an unbelievable player. The Senators are going to be, you know, they're, they were in trouble last year with him. Without him, they're in deep, deep trouble, assuming that he gets moved. Um, and and for, for, you know, it's funny, today's the fifth, the, the five-year anniversary of, of Daniel Alfredson leaving yeah. Ottawa out of, uh, to Detroit in free agency. And you can speculate why that happened. Um, you know, it, the speculation is it's a lot of the same reason Eric Carlson's leaving. Um, he doesn't want to be on that team anymore. And... For this organization to allow this to happen in a span of five years, the two greatest players that have ever played for the organization, two captains, Hall of Fame caliber, caliber players, um, man, it is just, you know, it, it's a gong show what's happening in Ottawa right now. Yeah, it's pretty pretty shameful and disappointing just from a hockey perspective. Now, Mike, I, I hosted over the weekend uh, here on TSN 1050 NHL free agency shows after Tavares signed and through this week on Toronto Today, and I keep getting on Twitter at AndyMC81, people tweeting me saying, hey, well, the Leafs need to build that super team. Get Carlson. People are getting hung up with, with the, the, the LeBron angle. And I keep saying, look, it's not like when we were kids, Mike, and you could, before the salary cap, and you could say, hey, get player X, Y, and it's whoever's richest. That's a lot of money. I say it's not a possibility. Is there any way that Carlson could be an option for the Maple Leafs via trade? It seems ridiculous, but I want to I satisfy the Twitter followers here. I don't see how it is. Um, I, yeah, because I don't think I don't think Eric Carlson, uh, and this is speculation. I don't get the sense that Eric Carlson has interest in in signing. You know, uh, first of all, he's under contract next season. So, would he have interest in signing a one year deal at a really high uh, dollar value to potentially win a cup in a place like Toronto? I, I don't get that sense, especially given the injury trouble that he's had. If I'm Eric mm-hmm. Carlson. I'm locking up a long-term deal, and he'll get a long-term deal. He's that good, and he deserves it. Um, but could the Maple Leafs fit him in under the cap on a $7 million deal at, at market value? He's a guy that's already said he wants to get what he's worth, not taking a discount uh, you know, wherever he goes. I, I don't think it's a possibility. It, it, you know, People are questioning how the Maple Leafs are going to, to get Nylander and Matthews and Marner all locked up with John Tavares coming there. Kyle Dubas said, you know, they will, and I believe they will, and I don't think that's an issue. You add Carlson to the mix. I, I don't think it's apples to apples comparison, the NBA and the NHL, when you talk about creating these super teams. The NBA have five all-stars like they do in Golden State and put you and me on the bench. It doesn't yeah, make a difference, right? Exactly. You, got, you got five guys. That's all you need. Maybe a sixth man that's, that's decent. Um, you know, hockey, you've got 18 guys. You need a couple goalies. And injuries are, are a lot more frequent. Uh, so I, I don't think it's an apples-to-apples comparison. I don't think the, the Maple Leafs, you know, Eric Carlson going to Toronto doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. No, and uh, another thing that makes it so different is we see how good John Tavares 
is as a player on the island without a supporting cast. He couldn't do anything. In the NBA, LeBron James took a cast of nobodies to the finals. Like, that's the difference. One guy can truly be the difference maker in basketball and hockey. You need great players, but you need multiple great players and a whole team look. Yeah, you want a good example of that? Look at where our Eric Carlson played last year. Great point. Right? Like, yep. I talk about, yep. you know, great Connor point. McDavid, I think we can argue, is, is the best player in the NHL. Um, but like I said, in terms of just driving offense, the puck up the ice, Eric Carlson is the best every year or one of the best every year. And he could not drag the Ottawa Senators to anything. You can't do it in hockey. In conversation with Mike Kelly, TSN NHL Network Analyst, on Twitter, at Mike Kelly NHL. Last one for you here, Mike. Now, Shea Weber, uh, news coming down on TSN Frank Saravelli reporting just under an hour ago, will miss five to six months after undergoing surgery in Colorado to repair a torn meniscus in his right knee. Now, you talk about the Sens being in trouble and having a bad year. Canadians right there with him. You lose Shea Weber, who you gave up for P.K. Subban, of course. What does the loss like that mean to Montreal, and just as a whole, that organization just continues to flounder. Yeah, I mean, that's it's tough news for an organization that's had a lot of tough news, for sure. And, you know, the, the instant reaction, I guess, is it, it just makes a trade that was unpopular, uh, even that much more unpopular. Yep. Um, you know, I've, I know a lot of people feel very strongly about P.K. Subban, um, you know, being light years ahead of Shea Weber. I think they'd bring very different skill sets, but in terms of the value they can bring, if both healthy, um, I, I don't think it's it's that crazy of a mismatch. The the thing that stings here, obviously, is, is you know, they need Shea Weber for so many different reasons. And you saw what the team was like last. They're, they're, they're a team that has a lot of, square pegs, round holes, just guys not where they should be, either playing up too far in the lineup or playing positions they shouldn't be playing. So what this does is, yeah, not only are you missing Shea Weber, but again, you've got guys that are going to have to eat minutes they're not capable of eating. You know, Carl Alsner is going to have to eat minutes that he's not capable of eating. Um, I thought Jeff Petrie did a a really nice job um, playing in a top four role and even a top two role for, for parts of that season. Uh, but again, it's over the course of, you know, we're talking months now to start the year. It's a lot to handle. Shea Weber is capable of eating so, you know, very, very difficult minutes. He's, he's year in, year out, a guy that handles some of the toughest minutes of any player in the league. Uh, he can play a lot. He's tough to play against. And, you know, the, the, the Canadians weren't very good in the limited time he was in the lineup last year anyways, but their goaltending was so bad, it didn't matter if, if Bobby Orr was on the ice, yeah. that, that was a team that was going to struggle to win games. But, you know, for a team trying to right the ship a little bit and, and at least have more positivity this year, it's going to be difficult. Um, now, that said, you know, they, their biggest problem last year was scoring goals. It wasn't so much keeping them out of the net, although they weren't great in that area. But they, they didn't allow a ton. You know, they weren't terrible in allowing difficult shots on net. Um, you know, some metrics defensively, they weren't terrible. So you get Shea Weber back, it's going to help you tremendously. The fact that they don't have him, if they can get Carey Price back to what he was, um, you know, they will be better defensively no matter what, no matter who's in the lineup. It's putting the puck in the net that's going to continue to plague that team, and it's something that they haven't addressed. So, uh, yeah, tough news for an organization that's had a lot of tough news in the last year. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Appreciate it. Try to stay cool. I'm in air conditioning right now. It's fantastic. Uh, We'll do, and and same to you. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. Mike Kelly.
TSN NHL Network analyst on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. Check out his tweet on Eric Carlson and the possession numbers. Very interesting stuff there at Mike Kelly NHL. We'll take the break. Come back. We'll talk a little Argos. They play the Edmonton Eskimos at home Saturday night. We will have that game here on the station. Some sound from head coach Mark Tressman about the new quarterback situation. And we will talk a little more Maple Leafs and a final poll update here on Toronto today. All right, a few things to get to here at Wimbledon. Uh, about two or three hours ago, Jeannie Bouchard eliminated in the second round of Wimbledon. So she is gone, unfortunately, falling to number 17 seed, Ashley Barty of Australia. So Jeannie is gonzo at Wimbledon. Uh, now, for the CFL, you got the Toronto Argonauts. This Saturday, you can catch the game here on TSN 1050, 5.30 kickoff. Edmonton Eskimos coming to town. The Eskies, real good. Mike Riley, if not the best, a 1A of the elite in quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. Now, the Argos also had an elite quarterback. His name's Ricky Ray. However, he's gone for, well, he's, it looks like he's gone for the year, maybe his whole career, unfortunately, with that neck injury suffered against Calgary. Talked about that on CFL Weekly uh, earlier this week on the station. You can catch it Tuesday nights live at 9 o'clock in the evening, and I uh, got the show link if you missed any of it. Talk a lot of Argos uh, on my Twitter at AndyMC81 and Instagram at AndyMC Sports. But the conversation had to shift to okay, who takes over from Ricky Ray? You brought over James Franklin in the offseason from the Eskimos. So he's playing against his old team. A lot of potential. People like the skill set of James Franklin, a real dual threat guy. You look at his college numbers. He was a runner first. It went undrafted, but this guy could move. And his development has been slow, but he has flashed. And when you look at a run-first quarterback, when you get to the pro level, what you want to try to develop, and Jeremiah Masoli, to his credit, with the Ticats, has done this very well this year, is to get away from one read. If it's not there, you run. In college, if you've got a guy who can motor, it's, okay, look for the X, boom. Covered? All right. I'm taking off. And that's it. And in college football, you can put up some great numbers, terrific highlight reel film. But in the pros, it doesn't work. Jeremiah Masoli was that guy and has now rattled off, what, eight straight 300-plus-yard games. Can tie the CFL record if he does it against Saskatchewan tonight. For James Franklin, this is the development. Now, he is going to be, or has the opportunity to be, the man, the other backup for the Argonauts. McLeod Bethel Thompson, producer Joe Nars' favorite quarterback name of all time. Right, Joe? You like yourself some McLeod Bethel Thompson there? Are we talking about Mr. McLeod? Yeah, well, well, it's the man with three last names. Sounds like a law firm. McLeod oh, yeah. Bethel Thompson. LLP. <laughs> he also sounds like a, co- a competitive marketing agency for <laughs> Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, damn, that McLeod Bethel oh, Thompson's coming. Oh, he's working for McLeod Bethel Thompson. Oh, they got Lucky Strikes. <laughs> <laughs> Having a quick smoke and a <laughs> bottle of brandy on the sidelines before he chucks a couple bombs. That'd be awesome, just with a dart hanging out of his mouth. I don't understand the whole co- like the whole coin toss. Like, how are you? Ben- how is Franklin not the guy? He was the guy, and that's the reason why they got him that's, because they knew Ray yes. wasn't going to be the guy past this season. That's why they traded for him. Now that could be an indictment on Franklin because McLeod Bethel Thompson is somebody who he's thirty years old, big body, six four. But he didn't put up big numbers in college. He's been on just about every practice squad in the NFL and CFL. 
he's a journeyman quarterback. Now, that's no offense to him. Hey, you're there to compete. But why is it even close is my question. Well, head coach of the Toronto Argonauts, Mark Tressman, gave an update on Ricky Ray and why he chose James Franklin. That uh, it's it's all you know wide open right now. It's certainly going to be you know a good month at least until we start you know looking into where we're going to go from here. And he's still got you know some appointments to, to take care of and so forth. But uh, he's going to be out for a while, and and uh, we'll when the time comes, we'll we'll give you more information. But really, that's all we have. He's been emotional about it. He's certainly disappointed. He wants to be out there. He wants to be playing. And and now he's got a major setback. And he's been through this before. And I'm sure he'll he'll work through it. He's a you know he's just a tremendous human being and a and a great competitor. And he, he I'm sure he's working through it as we speak. We're gonna go with James. And and really, uh, we flipped a coin basically to see who would go in last week. Uh, it really came down to that. It was it was that close in in camp. And and we gave James an opportunity to do it. We felt that he handled himself you know admirably under the circumstances and who the football team he took care of the football and uh, we had some opportunities to continue some drives that we we didn't do because of some drops and some things that happened so you know we'll, we'll give him the reps this week and um, you know we're not anointing him but we he certainly deserves the chance to get a full week of practice in knowing that he's going to be the starting quarterback and we're not going to hide from that and with James Franklin the benefit of Ricky Ray going down when he did is they were on the bye week so you were able to get a full two weeks. However, I don't know if I want my head coach saying, ah, either guy, either way, Franklin, Bethel Thompson. Eh. You kind of don't you want more more gusto out of your head coach? Franklin's the guy, and I think the reason he got the nod is because they they traded for him, they got him. So, okay, that's a, a little concerning. If Franklin isn't head and shoulders above a journeyman, and again, no disrespect to McLeod Bethel Thompson, I feel like you have to always say his full name because there's three last names, so it's, you can't just say Thompson or something. It's a little off-putting. But for James Franklin, this is his chance. Old team, all right, buddy. You want your shot? You got it. If you get this Ricky right now, Mark Tressman said a month, reports out that doctors are saying he could be done and the season's over. Um, with that neck injury... Boy, and Ricky approaching, what, 39? That's a lot to ask for him to come back. But this is James Franklin's chance. This is your shot. After this, he can never say he never got a chance. If you're behind Mike Riley in Edmonton and, and if he's healthy, that's tough. But this is your shot. You've had the week. How do you respond to an elite-level team, a true Grey Cup contender, that's what James Franklin's going to be up against. And I just wonder how short the leash is going to be for Franklin and compared to getting McLeod Bethel Thompson in there. If he struggles, are they going to stick with him? Or are they going to make a switch next week? That's really the tricky part to me. Where, where does it go? And, wh- and what expectations does this now put on the Argos season? Who really... Start of the year, you look at the East, it was, okay, Argos and Ottawa. That's probably a 1-2. Now, Hamilton's rolling. Ottawa's struggling. Heck, even the Alouettes got a win. They're terrible. And their logo changed again. It was a, it, The Alouette is apparently a type of bird. They had a cute little cardinal, and now it's changed to a wing-type thing. Looks like kind of a weird L.A. Rams ripoff with a feathers on it. 
Not good. Doesn't look good. But the Argos are 0-2. So they need to get going real quick if they want to stop this season from slipping away. And again, the Edmonton Eskimos, that's a tough go. That game again here on a TSN 1050, 5.30 kickoff Saturday. You can get teed up for week four in the Canadian Football League with the Argos Eskimos and all the rest of the games on CFL Weekly. Again, I have the link pinned to my Twitter at TSN 10 or at AndyMC81 and Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Also on the show page on TSN 1050.ca under CFL Weekly. Let's get a Twitter poll update here and get to some of your tweets. So at TSN 1050 Radio... On Twitter, question was, what has been the biggest surprise for Toronto sports this summer? Biggest surprise. Tavares signing with the Leafs. LeBron leaving Cleveland to L.A. The Raps becoming contenders. Is it the Blue Jays being irrelevant? Or is it TFC struggling? Which one is the biggest surprise to you? I went with TFC struggling because of the success they've had. Tavares, it wasn't a given, but it was a possibility. You all think different. Tavares signing with the Leafs, 84% of you say that's the biggest surprise. Second place, TFC struggling at 12% and tied for last at 2%. LeBron leaving, Raps being contenders, Blue Jays being irrelevant. Now, I say the Raps being contenders because it was all built in. The excuse was, well, we can't beat LeBron. Just try to avoid LeBron James. If you get him, you're done. And in a way, that was true. Nobody beat LeBron in the Eastern Conference. He got to the finals eight freaking years in a row. So you had that built-in excuse. Now you don't. The Celtics are very good. Philly's rising. Even the Bucks are coming around. Maybe Washington. The Raps, first seed. Haven't had the success in the playoffs, but they're a damn good team with a core that's been together. So they should be considered true Contenders on Twitter. This is a great Twitter handle. At PickleWeasel83. That's phenomenal. That's the best I've heard in a while. Joe, do you like that one? PickleWeasel? Say that one again. At PickleWeasel83. Yep. That's phenomenal. And it's Pastrami Man is the name. This guy's all over the place. Lost in the sauce. He keeps bringing it. Wow. So he says, uh, Raps will now just get swept by Boston or Philly. Oh, PickleWeasel. No, I don't buy. The, I don't buy the Philly because I don't know how healthy Joel Embiid will be or Ben Simmons. No. Uh, they're still young. Yeah, they they could be had. Yeah, they could be, and they haven't really proved anything compared to the Raptors. The Raptors are more veteran unit. They've proven that they can be successful unless LeBron James is on the court. Right, and that gives them a positive going into this season. And Boston's the Boston's the one. But again, Kyrie Irving hasn't been healthy. Well, neither, like, with the fact that both of their stars have had significant knee injuries in yep. the season, and they haven't even played together yet, so even if healthy, you don't know how they're going to mesh. Exactly. You don't know what they're going to look like. I just think it's very interesting that the Raptors went from a team that everybody thought you should blow up and restart with, and now they're one move away from potentially contending in the Eastern Conference and being a team that could, you know, get smashed by Golden State in three games instead of four. Yeah. And... and- that's really where you're at in the Eastern Conference. I think this makes the regular season much more interesting in the NBA as a whole and especially in the East. Because even though Boston looks to be stacked, you have questions. Philly looks to be ready to take the next step. We don't know if they will. And several other players. So why not the Raptors? No reason why they can't be. At Pickle Weasel 83, I might have to give them a follow. That is a great, great handle. Uh, says that now they will get swept instead. So he isn't confident. Uh, have from at Carcel Musino says, ha, 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 
Raps contenders for what? Getting swept by the Celtics instead? People not buying in. People not buying into the Raps. Hold on. Did you just throw someone a follow because you liked their handle? I said I was considering it. Uh, I don't At, know. That's, Keith Pickleweasel83, that's... That's pretty good. So if, <laughs> that's pretty so if I, good. So if I just made some random burner account, diehard Browns fan one 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 follow, you'd be all okay. You'd be all follow that follow. guy already. That's it's Andy Mac. That's already out there. <laughs> you, you, that's my burner account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to put like one, two, three after or something. So another burn for the Raptors, saying they're going to get swept. And uh, Andrew S seventeen on Twitter says Raptors are far from a contender. Jays are where they should be based on what they came into the season. So essentially saying Raps are not a contender, and Jays coming in not really a surprise. Now I'm surprised they're as irrelevant as they be. But as far as what they've done, I called that we did Joe. Me and you did the preview show at the start of the year. It's not surprising. They added nobody and management trying to sell you that stuff. Granderson. Yeah, great. Thanks. That's going to get me a wild card spot. No. So poll will be up for a little bit longer at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Okay, folks, that will do it for today's show. So for producer Joe Narsa and Keith Bauer, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott MacArthur Show is up next. You've been listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050.